Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chris Miller and Phil Lord have a vast empire sprawling animation and live comedy action series such as Apple TV Plus's The After Party. We're here with them to talk about their new spin on the whodunit on Crew Call. So, so guys, the whole inspiration for After Party, tell me about it. There's a little Perot going on. There's some love boats, some love America style <laughs> going on in the standalone episodes. Can you tell Guilty me Guilty as charged. <laughs> this is really a, a secret love boat adaptation. That's right. Tell me about it. It's been such a fun ride. And I love the whole conceit that each episode deals with a different character and that there's a spin on a genre. I mean, just... Just, and then you're tricking it out with like some of the greatest comedic minds out there, Sam Richardson, Ileana Grazer, Glazer, um, you know, Baron Holtz. I mean, it's like a murderer's row. It's a great, we got a great See group of murderer's there. row indeed, but only one was the murderer. Uh, yeah, this started, you know, over a decade ago uh, and I, had the idea to do sort of a Rashomon style murder mystery comedy where each suspect would give their version of what happened on the same night and it'd all be interwoven and everybody's story would you know, feel like their own personality uh, and wrote it as a movie. Um, and we got busy making uh, all these other movies and things. Uh, mm -hmm. So we never got a chance to, to make it. We had sold it to, uh, to TriStar uh and they kept asking when are you gonna make that movie and so we took a look at it again and you know needed a update and we realized that it really would be better uh as a series because the issue with it as a movie was that each person's story was only you know seven to ten minutes long and you didn't really get a chance to dig deep into you know, their personality and really get a chance to empathize with them. And the idea that you could, you know, make a whole episode out of each person's story uh, and really go deeper into them was what really opened it up into something that felt like um, you had, it had something interesting to say. And it also uh, allowed you to really like get to know each of these characters and be a great showcase for each of the uh, amazing actors that we got. We realized making a movie wouldn't be hard enough. <laughs> so we did it this way. Well, this brings me to um, something I always ask, you know, comedic creators about comedy features. I mean, I was, can, I, I love, I, I, I'm waiting for the next big hangover, you know, when we're all back in the theater and we're laughing shoulder to shoulder. We're all excited to spray fomites over each other's uh, faces with laughter. Yeah. Everywhere. 
And, and, and so, you know, comedy films were in danger before the pandemic. And now it's kind of like, I don't know what the heck to make, make of it. I mean, do, are you guys, what's your opinion on that? Can, are studios still looking to make them or does it have to be kind of like a hybrid thing, like an action film laced with a comedy or a horror laced with a, like the right. Deadpool. Well, I do think that there are a lot of these hybrid things because like now everything is a comedy <laughs> one way or another, but uh, I, I we feel like, you know, it, all it takes is one, one a big, great one to show up and have be the big sensation and it'll be uh, back in vogue again. But I think there's something great about everybody coming together and laughing together as a community. Uh, there's something really special about, you know, a whole room full of people like uh, losing it together. And, uh, and so I think that same thing as like a horror movie when everyone screams at the same time, it's such a fun communal experience. Uh, you have to think that, uh, that that's not going away. The the other thing I want to ask you about with After Party is the trick in writing a whodunit. Um, do you always need to be faithful to the audience in terms of the details that you're you're laying out? I'll give you an example. I think Matt, and I'm paraphrasing here, Matt Weiner said once about, you know, whether Sterling Cooper Draper Price won an account or not was kind of like, I think he just kind of like, they decided it on a whim in the writer's room, whether or not they is, can you get away with that in a whodunit or do you need to leave? Like, how do you keep the details out there while keeping someone hidden? Is it, is there always a Kaiser Soze to it all? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's really hard. You can't just do things on a whim with a murder mystery because the, the, the result you're going for is at the end, you want everyone to go like, oh my gosh, of course. Why didn't I see it? It was all there. And it's a really tricky thing to do to hide all the details um, that, and, and stay true to them and not feel like the audience, if they end the season going, uh, that's, that's bunk. They, they cheated us. They, they told us one thing, but it was really another thing. And it, there's no way you could have figured it out. Um, then it feels like an unsatisfying experience. So you want to make something that, that by the end of it, feels like a satisfying experience for the audience. And if it's too tricky and they could never have seen it coming, then it's sort of like, yeah, it's a bit of a deus ex machina type of thing. So balancing that as being a fair play mystery where it's not like, oh, there was a, a puma got him. Uh, and, uh, and- uh, There was, and, we, uh, I, we I, I still believe in that ending. <laughs> the, the puma got him ending i will go to my grave thinking that was the way but whatever but also not having it be so obvious that everyone goes like yeah 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 we all know who did it um is a real is a real trick of it and you're constantly going like is this too much is this too little and uh and we all were together going like well how do we bury this piece of evidence in a, in, in a way that sort of misdirects you and you're thinking, oh, this is just a joke, but it's actually uh, a, uh, a key piece of evidence. And that's one advantage of it being a comedy is that sometimes you do things for the joke and the audience goes, like, oh yeah, they just did that because it was a joke. But that's a great way to hide a piece of, um, a piece of evidence uh, and make you not think that's what it is. We also were tuning performance you know, in the edit, because if, if 
somebody gave something away or felt like they were even inadvertently seemed like they were lying or obfuscating the truth you you know you had to you had to titrate that so that you were just the right amount of suspicious of each person yeah the audience is really savvy and if you're saying like look at how suspicious this person is they immediately think well they obviously didn't do it because they want us to think they did it and if and similarly, you know, if they are, there's no, nothing on them, they're like, that's something a little too unsuspicious about this character. So you have to make everybody just a little bit suspicious. What a great um, setup though, you know, a high school reunion. And, you know, there's something said time and again, why people go back to high school reunions and the agendas that they have and kind of the romances they want to make good on and the, and the kind of, uh, you know, you know, the, they, they just want to fill voids and, and, and just show and show their peacock feathers. I mean, did you guys, did you guys just come back? I'm sure you get this all the time. Did you just come back from a high school reunion? And you're like, listen, there's just way too many hijinks in here. We got to do this. Um, it is a very emotional experience, I think, because you're kind of reverting back to old dynamics. You think you've grown past that stuff, but you don't uh, care anymore. But as soon as you get amongst uh, all the, the people that you grew up with, that the old dynamic revert immediately. And, and then you see yourself doing and saying things that you feel like you never would otherwise. Doesn't matter if you made the Lego movie or not. <laughs> you yeah, still have your underwear flown up the flagpole. That I, I would say at my 25th high school reunion, I, there, there were many well-wishers and people congratulating me on the, the stuff we've done. But I also, one person bullied me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I was talking to somebody, catching up with someone that I had a crush on in high school and was I we were friendly but I was all, the whole all of high school I was punching way above my weight talking to this person and so we were catching up it was very lovely and I was like you know what I I've really come a long way and I leaned on the the table behind me which immediately collapsed knocking all the drinks to the ground <laughs> and I was just I was put back in my place <laughs> which is like medium i was like <laughs> middle class popular that's where i shall remain <laughs> don't get too full of yourself ever. Yeah. Just go back to a high school reunion you are what you are so you guys are submitting i understand yasper uh episode three for for emmys um yes what for do you many love of the categories yes what do you love about that particular episode tell us uh, well, it was one of the hardest ones to make because you need to, you know, it's a musical and uh, and in order to make a musical, you have to make songs that are good, uh, that are uh, catchy and interesting and also drive the plot forward. You can't just sort of stop the story and sing a song about nothing and then move on to the story again. So it has to do all of this work and, it, and not only the songs have to be good, there has to be choreography that has to be good and interesting. It has to be shot dynamically and it has to uh, and it has to be lit in an interesting way. And so the whole thing required a great deal of 
preparation uh, uh, in advance and a bunch of talented people coming together um, uh, to do it. You know, the episode was written by Jack Dolgen, who came off of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and the, and the songs were written by John LaJoy, who we'd worked with on Lego Movie 2 and is a very funny songwriter. We had Kat Burns as the choreographer. Carl Horseva, the DP, did an amazing job. And everybody across the board, like, really um, turned it into something that felt like a real legitimate musical with songs that, uh, that I think really, really worked. And, and Ben Schwartz had to sing and dance and do it all at the same, and act at the, all at the same time. And, uh, and the guy can do anything. And he really, and he really did. I was going to say, he is Gene Kelly. He, he, did, he, he did do I a mean, good job. I think you're right about that. He has, um, he has the, the charm uh, and the physical control that, uh, that you need. Right. As a physical comedian, you have to have like complete control of all of your body and extremities and know where things are at all times. Uh, whereas I'm sort of like, what? what is my left arm doing right now? I, have no I literally I have no idea where my right <laughs> hand is. <laughs> Um, but he really has, you know, he has a uh, complete control of what he's doing and it's really amazing to watch. So for C did you guys, you know, the announcement of season two came ex very quickly. Did you guys already have that mapped out? Um, yeah, they, thankfully they, you know, they really loved the show, uh, as it was coming in and, and ordered a, a writer's room uh, before the show even aired. So it was really great because we were able to assemble the team and get working on a new complicated interlocking puzzle uh, uh, for a whole different mystery um, and and it took a lot of <laughs> a lot of work so we were ready to we actually had it all broken out and and versions of each of the scripts um, by the time the show uh, premiered so we were wow. we were ready to go in a way that rarely happens on a TV show. And this it was the same thing for the first season. It's one of these things where you can't start shooting it until you know exactly what every episode is going to be because it's so interconnected and interwoven and every moment has uh, another version of itself that uh, undoes what you your previous assumptions about the, the moment was. And so it has to be all figured out in advance. That said, we also, I cast amazing comedians who are great improvisers and and also really smart filmmakers. So we, you know, let them, we give them all the scripts uh, of the whole season so that they can digest them and know what their character arc is and figure out how to, you know, do, you know, different shades of each of their character for each of the different genres and each of the different versions. And then that within that framework, they're free to, you know, try uh, uh, other ideas and new things that don't you know, negate what the story is trying to do and also that to sort of play along with the game of what the of what the scenes are and they were great at it and they everyone added so much so we reported season two revolves around a murder at a wedding mm -hmm. sam and sam and zoe's characters are anik and zoe, and zoe are are assisting with the in solving the crime with detective danner mm -hmm. do we is there an an xavier of the bunch is there <laughs> that type of character or I will say that the 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 murder victim this time is personality-wise not at all like Xavier, um, but there are a bunch of you know there are a bunch of great new fun characters and this cast again another murderer's row of comedians and actors that uh, really 
um, have been, we've just started shooting a few weeks ago and they are, everyone is really phenomenal. And each pairing, and you have a scene with two different characters like, ooh, this is a fun dynamic between this actor and this actor. It's just, um, it's just a delight. Is Detective Danner as prominent as she was in season one or is it more Anique and Zoe taking charge? Yeah, Danner is still very prominent uh, uh, and, uh, and this sort of three-way uh, murder mystery solvers uh, um, is a fun new dynamic because uh, you know, there's, there's conflict between the group as to how to solve uh, the murder. But, um, but yeah, Danner's definitely as involved and as central as she was in the first. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, segueing to other stuff. Your Sony TV deal. Mm -hmm. uh, Silk. The Alley Spider-Verse, how fast are these things coming together? <laughs> um, we're, we're, we're um, developing all that stuff with um, great care. Uh, and there's a really exciting um, uh, start uh, for Silk. And um, it's, uh, it's coming along. There'll be news someday soon. <laughs> Well, it's it's live action, or it'll be it'll be live action. Yeah. It's live action. Got it. And Scoop. So, but no, but no castings yet. No negative. Got it. And you know, spot. You know, I, I was at CinemaCon. I saw everything that you had shown for um, across the universe, which looks fantastic. But golly gosh, why did you push it? It's just it just needs more TLC. <laughs> Yeah, we, you know, we, there was a it's moment where like we could, we could try to get it out at the original date uh, and it would be um, fine. Uh, but we, the expectation for this film is that it's going to be, it has to be as groundbreaking and as special and as uh, wonderful as I think uh, the first one was. So, you know, we thought, let's not try and rush it let's make it good let's make it great let's make every you know every scene be its best self and not just the thing that we're doing to get it out in time even so, though it's a film about um infinite um uh, uh multiverses um it still has to obey the physical reality of this dimension <laughs> <laughs> and and this is and and i should know this but as far as what's going on over at the MCU, over at Disney, this is completely different. This is its own thing. I mean, it is and it isn't in that, uh, you know, all things grow in the multiverse. Uh, and, and the idea of the multiverse is that, uh, you know, all of these worlds uh, exist in some plane or another. Uh, and so um, I can't say it's totally separate, but it is, uh, but it is, it is still its own thing. They've definitely seen Spider-Verse. And and then and then there's there's a there's something called um there's a Western comedy pilot at Freebie. Mm -hmm. 
yes. a comedic Yellowstone. How's that going? Um, it's going great. Still, uh, we're about they're uh, getting it together to shoot it soon. Um, and uh, and the team getting together is great. And Michelle, who wrote it and is running it, is really smart and someone that we've known for a long time. Uh, and uh, and it's a really great pilot that she wrote. And it's uh, and I think it's going to be a fun one. No attachments yet. No talent attachments. Um, Not that we can announce. Got it. <laughs> what is so? What you got? How do you guys? It's like it's like John Travolta. How do you guys do it? Um, <laughs> got it. That's a great question. You know, That's a great question. We you know, um, so you know, it, how tough. do you juggle it all? I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, I know you've got directors and animation teams on the on the animated films, but those are big bears. And then you've got your directing. How do you how do you manage it all? Uh, we have a lot of um, very smart uh, teammates that um, tell us where to go and what to work on. Like we were kindergartners and it's time for <laughs> time to color. Uh, the only thing we don't get is a nap, sadly. It's, um, it's a lot of running around with your hair on fire seven days a week, a little, um, but um, and trying to be present in as many things as possible and um you know dealing with the most pressing fire of the of the week um and 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 luckily there's two of us so we can sort of divide and conquer on things but it's hard uh it's hard it's hard <laughs> are you going to direct all the it's episodes? fun though it, it it's fun because you get to work with other filmmakers and um you know we had a you know, a, a movie test last night and you're, you're, you, you learn a lot, you know, mm -hmm. you learn things that you wouldn't do if we, if we were doing everything ourselves. It's true. And Chris, you're going to direct all the episodes for season two. I directed just uh, two of the episodes for season two, and then it's a 10 episode uh, season and the other eight are, are being directed by other people. As we speak right now, actually, they are, uh, they are, cameras are rolling. That's um, how important this podcast is, my friend. <laughs> so when you're done with the after part, we're just fascinated by your, your empire. So that's why I keep, that's why I keep needling <laughs> you on it. After, after party is done, obviously Spider-Verse is going on, mm -hmm. but are you, are you doing um, Project Hail Mary um, yeah, we're uh, we uh, have been working with Drew and uh, and we're uh, on the script and it's uh, the the first draft that he did was amazing and we're sort of honing it in and uh, and the hope is to to shoot that uh, soon. <laughs> um, once we get, uh, I think once we we've tamed the Spider Verse beast uh, a little bit more, I think then we can lean in more on 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 that. But but all these things, uh, such as, you know, such as Last Human and and Artemis, all of mm -hmm. these are very real and in development. Yeah, yeah. They just okay. they just take a while, you know. <laughs> Sometimes there's, uh, uh, you know, you do you can only make uh, one thing at a time. Um, Ultimately, yeah. It's yeah. been uh, you know it's been. Uh, tricky juggling these things and so you know trying to separate them out a little bit uh, so that we can do them more one at a time so before we go I want you guys to um, tell us a tell us an old story about the two of you you're at Dartmouth 
you're wowing there. And then legend has it that Mike Disney's Michael Eisner um, <laughs> sees sees a profile on Chris, and he's like, and he tells his executives, "Get these guys in here." Can you talk about that? I mean, what a wonderful. I mean, I mean, what a what a lucky and privileged uh, stroke uh, of luck that we had. And then you pitched what Black Cauldron too? Was that? <laughs> no, that would be. Uh, that, that was. Would be, I, I was. That was on. That must have been on some list somewhere. That that would be hilarious. Um, no, we yeah, pitched I really, a show called based on. We pitched a bunch of different shows when we got there. Uh, one on, there were conjoined twins who owned a toy factory. <laughs> I can't remember. There were barnyard animals who like Went flew a barn into outer space <laughs> um, and they hated everything. And the only thing at that time in the late 90s that they were developing for Saturday morning was um, were based on Disney properties. So they were making a Dalmatian show and this and that. So we said, oh, let's adapt um, a really crummy Disney movie into a, um, into a TV show and see if maybe they'll like that. And we pitched as a joke, what if we do a show based on the old Ken Berry film, The Cat from Outer Space, which is a live action film in which there's a cat from outer space who doesn't, who speaks through um, thought transference. So they didn't have to worry about like putting peanut butter in its mouth or matching the lips or whatever. They just like, he just telepathically <laughs> speaks. So most of the movie is like a cat lying on a couch just that <laughs> it's like voiceover voiceover. On it. so we're like we'll save all this money on animation and they were like we love it i knew we were right uh, hiring these boys um, and that and that came to was that just a pilot or that actually just a pilot that never pilot. actually uh, happened but it was the first thing that they ever liked uh that that we made uh in that first year of developing shows for disney um, and then ultimately out of that deal came uh, Clone High, which was our first show that we ended up doing at MTV. Um, Season so, two coming soon. That's right. What? More television. Say that again. The, there's what, you, there's Season a revival. Two, Season two and three are coming of Clone High coming soon. Uh, we like a 20 year gap between seasons. We think that's the nice way for the one for each season to steep <laughs> chris miller and phil lord thank you very much thank, thank you this was so fun thanks for listening to this episode of the crew call podcast on deadline i'm your host anthony delisandro make sure you subscribe to us on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode 